Thank you, Quan. Thank you, Claire. Claire's filling in for Jeff and his family that is in Nashville. So thank you. You did a very good job. And Murray always does a good job. I think you're here just to hear Murray and not to hear me. So I'm, I'll take it. I'll take that. And I appreciate that. And uh, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Genesis? Uh, Genesis 25, if you have your Bibles. And we'll look at there. We're going to look at the life of Jacob and Esau, who were two brothers who were twins, but they were different in every way. And uh, one, uh, but neither one of them really got the blessing from their father that they really wanted to have and how important the blessing of a father is. Um, I just want to apologize uh, up front to say that yesterday, uh, Susan and I took our kids uh, on a fishing trip out from the Gulf, a deep sea fishing trip. And uh, it was their, uh, our Father's Day to them, uh, to our family. And the waves out there were like 20 feet waves. I mean, and uh, before we even got out to where we were to fish, uh, most of our family were over buckets. Have you ever been over buckets? And you call those unplanned protein spills. And so it was Happy Father's Day for that unplanned protein field. Uh, it was so bad, finally we got to the place to catch a snapper, and my youngest son held me uh, because I was about to fall off the boat. It was rocking and rolling so bad out there. And, and so um, I put him back in the wheel. He is a uh, Alabama fan, so I took him out. But now since he held me yesterday, I'm, I'm putting him back in the wheel. But um, it was rough yesterday. And so I took uh, Dramamine. And so if I go to sleep in the middle of my sermon, Barry's going to come up here and finish out my sermon. We'll just have silent prayer. So I got to apologize in the middle of that. Uh, what a good Father's Day present, amen. They seemed to, uh, all of them were happy to see land. Uh, my little granddaughter, who's about 11 years old, would say, I want to go home, I want to go home and eat some popcorn. That's what she said, I want to go home and eat some popcorn. So she'll remember that for the rest of her life, our Father's Day present that we gave them. But it was family time. Uh, when we got home, I fed them oysters and shrimp, and they got over the whole thing, so that was good. But it was a good time. Uh, I don't know if that was a good time to be the right word to say, but it was a Father's Day present. Uh, we'll remember that, and they'll remember that for generations to come. But I hope they're able to pass down the blessing of a father and a grandfather to another generation because that's so important. We're living in a world that very few people are hearing a Father's Day blessing. And that's a tragedy. So you call that damaged goods. That's what psychologists say. It's damaged goods when you don't receive a blessing from your father. And there's something missing in that place that needs to be there. Now, the word blessing appears throughout Scripture uh, 400 times in the Old Testament. It's baraka. That's the Hebrew word. Eulogia is the a Greek word in the New Testament, 400 times it appears also, about 400 times in the New Testament. But it's something to be blessed, and it's something that God gives you. Every blessing comes from God. It originates with God. 
In Genesis, it first appears when God said, bless them and told them to multiply and be fruitful and fill the earth. So, but he told Abraham, I'm going to bless you not to be the end of the blessing, but to be the point of where you bless others. So how do you know you've been blessed? You know you've been blessed when you pass that blessing on to somebody else. And one of the greatest things in the world is to be blessed. Um, Susan Henry blessed me, and I appreciate her blessing me. And on our first anniversary, uh, I was stationed in Fort Stewart in Augusta, Georgia. And, you know, when you're in Augusta, Georgia, you just go and play golf. That's the thing you do because that's the golf capital of the world. And my brother came with the top of our wedding cake, so we would celebrate that time together. <clears throat> and so my brother Tommy and I went and played golf. And my watch broke. I promise you my watch broke. It did break. I mean, that wasn't just a line that I gave her, but my watch did break. And so I got home three hours later than I should have been there for our anniversary. And uh, we had a one-bedroom apartment. And uh, so I told my brother, Tommy, I said, Tommy, you better stay out here. Um, so <laughs> I went into our one-bedroom apartment, and the door to the only bedroom we had closed up. And so I knew I was in trouble. I mean, you've been there, husbands? Any of you husbands ever been there? <clears throat> and so I sat down, and I wrote Susan a letter. And I said, dear baby, isn't that a good kind of opening remark there uh, uh, please forgive me I'm still trying to learn how to be a husband and I slid it on but I, before I slid it on the door I signed it Jerry M. Henry because I want to know who it came from and she opened the door and hugged me and forgave me and we had cold steaks but it was a good night, after all, because she blessed me. She blessed me with the deepest blessing that we can give one another. And that I don't own love, but love that expresses itself in forgiveness. And I still don't know whether we brought my brother inside or not. I mean, maybe he stood out there <laughs> all the time. <laughs> you stay out there. All right, but anyway... <laughs> But forgiveness, God gives us forgiveness. And each one of us needs forgiveness. I used to run uh, when I was here at Elkdale and I'd go out to the stadium and, and I'd run across Valley Creek and out to the boat landing. And when I'd go to the boat landing, I'd come back around the cemetery and come to the cemetery and I'd come back to Memorial Stadium. That was about five miles. But I was running out there one time. I ran through uh, New Live Oak, and there was this girl that was there at the graveside. And I stopped for a minute. I said, you know, there was a truck right there and a guy in a truck. And so I stopped there for just a moment, and I said, I went and, and told her, I said, I'm a pastor at Elkdale Baptist Church, and can I pray for you? And... I said, is something the matter? I mean, you're going through grief. What's, what's going on? She said, this is my father's grave. And I said, wow, he was, was he a good father to you? Was what happened? And she said, 
I never knew him. And then she ran and jumped in the truck and drove off. And I wonder what behind that story of never having a father. Again, psychologists say that's damaged goods. Norma Jean was a very successful lady. She was very successful. Um, She was a star and made lots of money. But her Hollywood name was Marilyn Monroe. And she never knew her father. And she tried to use other men to try to fill that place that only her father could fill. And she eventually kind of took her life. Living with that as damaged goods, as beautiful and as successful as she was. There was this place that her father could feel that if that's not filled, there's a damaged place. I go, or I used to go to Foley to the outlet place, to the, to the um, polo place, because I want to look cool in my polo shirt, and that's kind of cool. And it's cool in Selma, Alabama to have a polo shirt. But uh, there's a box that they used to have, and, and in that box was flawed uh, shirts. And some flaws were greater than others. Some flaws were kind of obvious. Some flaws were hidden and you had to search for them. But inside that box was all kinds of flawed material. And all of us come into this world as flawed people. And we need that special input that our fathers can bring to help us deal with those flawed places in our life. For all of us have flawed places in our life. So, now would you turn to the person next to you and say you are flawed? Would you do that? You are flawed? <laughs> turn back to them and say you're flawed also, okay? <laughs> and husbands need forgiveness. So wives, please forgive us those places that we need forgiveness, okay? Now, in honor of God's word, would you stand? And I'm in chapter 25. Or maybe 26. Isaac uh, cries out. And uh, I'm going to go to sleep in a minute and you guys can wake up. Okay, here's the point. And you can find the verse. Isaac cries out with a loud voice and he says, Father, bless me. Bless me, Father. Do you hear that cry? Father, bless me. Because all of us need a Father's blessing. Amen? Now, you may be seated. And you can look up that verse somewhere else. I promise you it's in there. Now Esau, uh, wait a minute, I'll just look over there. So look at verse 24 of chapter 25. How about let's start there. Uh, Esau and Jacob were twin brothers. And it took a while. Um, Isaac and Rebekah were husband and wife. 
Um, Isaac and Rebecca uh, were different personalities. Isaac was kind of a passive kind of person. Uh, in fact, his father, Abraham, had said, uh, it's time for you to go get a wife. And he sent his servant to find him his wife. And so Isaac didn't even go out to bring him his wife. His father brought him back, uh, Rebecca, back to him. And he found Rebecca. She was watering camels. And these were just gallons and gallons of water that she would water the camels. So let me encourage you, if you're looking for a wife, find one that waters camels. Amen. You need a husband and wife need to deal with watering camels to make it through life. So for about, I don't know, there's several years, about 10 years, she was not able to have children. And so her husband uh, interceded for her and said, God, please answer this prayer. It was different from Abraham. Abraham Saver went and found somebody to fill that void, and there's still a problem with that in the world today. But God gave her two trials, and there's this turmoil inside of her. And so she says, goes to the Lord and says, Lord, look in verse 23. Uh, and the Lord replied unto her, there are two nations in your womb, and two manner of people shall be born to thee. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the older. And that's different from what the tradition was. It was usually the elder that the younger would serve the elder. But Isaac just didn't have that push, that spiritual push. He lacked that spiritual push for spiritual things. He was kind of wild and crazy kind of guy that kind of grew up in, in the world. He liked to hunt and go out and outdoors. There's nothing wrong with hunting. But he did. He was a hunter outside. He carried a thing of skull in his back pocket. Amen. He was one of those kind of guys. But he was wild and crazy. He married two Canaanite women, and God had told him never to marry the Canaanites. And he brought the Canaanite women into his home and it hurt his mom and dad. And how many times bad marital decisions have disrupted family relationships. But the two boys were born. And it says in verse 24, when behold, there were twins in her womb and the first came out red. And he was this kind of hairy guy. That was Esau and that was his name. And uh the other brother was holding on to his heel. That is, Jacob was holding on to his heel. And he was called Jacob, which means heel grabber. Jacob was kind of a manipulator. He grew up as a kind of manipulator. Uh, some people would say he would make a used car dealer. Amen. Now, I think used car dealers are just below pastors as people you don't trust. Pastors are still kind of there. And uh, so he, Jacob, wanted that blessing. He wanted that inheritance that came with being the head of the family that was supposed to be the firstborn. So he manipulated. If you have your Bibles, look in verse 27. And the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter. He could go out with his bow and arrow. Now, if I go out with my bow and arrow, no sense in getting out of the truck because I ain't going to kill anything with a bow and arrow. But he'd go out with his bow and arrow, and he'd come in from hunting one day, and as he was hunting, 
One day he got all famished and he was about to die. That's what he said. I'm almost about to die. And Jacob had been around his mom and he said he was a good cook and he had cooked some stuff he called the red stuff. That's what some kind of gumbo. Amen. It'd be kind of Louisiana gumbo. And it'd have to have Koneka sausage in there somewhere. It'd have to have that Koneka sausage. And he was all hungry. And Jacob saw an opportunity to manipulate his brother. It's a terrible thing when brothers manipulate each other. And so he says, if you will give me your birthright, look in verse 33. If you will give me your birthright. Then I, now he had, here's a chance for him to help his brother. Yeah, sure, I'll give you some food. Yeah, you're my brother. We stick together. But he saw his chance to manipulate him. And Esau sold his birthright because of his appetite. And how many people have given away precious parts of their lives and precious things in their lives because they were satisfying an appetite? So he sells his brother his appetite, his uh, birthright. But if you have a look in chapter 27 and see what happens. Uh, when Isaac was old, verse, uh, chapter 27, verse 1, when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, so he couldn't see and he couldn't hear, so he could still drive. And I know people that are still doing that. But Isaac and Rebecca had kind of grown apart. There was an elephant in the room. And they ignored the elephant in the room. She loved Jacob. And he loved Isaac. And that favored part of that family relationship was driving the two of them apart. And there was this missing thing that used to be there. Maybe at one time there was kind of a drift away from each other. And when you favor one and favor the other, sooner or later there are bound to be problems that are going to come up. But Rebecca had been told very early in her life, that the elder will serve the older and the promise will go through him. But Isaac is kind of stubborn in his old age. Man, just for a moment, how many of you know a stubborn old man? Would you raise your hand if you know? <laughs> and so the more stubborn he got, the more bossy she got. Amen. And so she gives Jacob instructions. He has told him that he's going to give him the blessing. Isaac knew that the younger was to have the blessing. But he's old and stubborn. And he says, I'm going to give the blessing to who I want to give the blessing. And so uh, Rebecca heard all that. And Rebecca sent Jacob and said, we've got to move quickly. You go out and you kill some sheep and bring them in. And he had sent Isaac after to kill the deer and bring him some deer or get him some animal to, so that he could give him a blessing. 
And so um, Jacob and his mom come up with these instructions to hold the blessing to Jacob. And so Jacob put some clothes, uh, some sheep on him that he would look like a hairy guy. And um, so that he could fool his dad. And his dad asked him this question, are you Isaac? And he said to his dad, I am. That had been an awesome kind of moment there with his dad. He's lying without flinching to his dad. Now, I would ask any of you, but I don't know how you would answer that, but um, you don't have to answer it, okay? How many of you have ever lied to your parents? Let me just let that soak for a minute. Okay. Now, he lied not only once, he lied twice, and he lied three times. And so his father gave him the blessing. But a stolen blessing, like stolen love, will not fill your heart. And I, Esau comes in, and this is where that verse is, that bless me, my father. Please bless me, my father. And for the rest of his life, Jacob had to run away from home. And when he ran away from home, he, he couldn't, uh, Esau got all the blessing that he had left behind. And at some 20 years later, he decides to make up with his brother. And he feels like God is calling him back to make up that makeup. And so he comes to a place called the Brook of Jabbok. And when he gets to the Brook of Jabbok, he puts his wife and his children in front of him. And he has all his animals in front of him because he knows that his brother is coming after him and his brother has all these people with him and he is stronger and has more to pour at him than he does. So that night at the brook of Jabbok, Jacob wrestles what I think was a pre-incarnate vision of Jesus Christ. And as he wrestles, he had always been a kind of manipulator but here he could manipulate wrestling with that angel that he was wrestling with. He wrestled and wrestled, and he couldn't win because he had always been a winner. He had always been a way to manipulate. But when he wrestled with that angel, he couldn't manipulate the angel. And they wrestled till the next day. And finally, Jacob says, who are you? What's your name? And he says, I won't let go. I'm going to hold on to this moment until I get a blessing. And the angel blessed him. He gave him a new name. And the name went from Jacob to Israel. And the word Israel means one who strives with God. Or one who God strives with. Because God had been working with him all of his life. And yet... Jacob was one who says, I'll do it myself. I'll make, I'll manipulate my way. But finally he got his blessing. And his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. And the blessing came from Abraham, Isaac, and then comes to Jacob. And Jacob finally got his blessing. Here's the idea. Even if your father doesn't bless you, there's a God 
who wants to bless you. Amen? Now, I want to have just a minute. I'm going to ask the guys to come forward um, before we and have a prayer for all of you who are fathers or grandfathers or, or men. I'll just, but let me just uh, share with you this, this story. When I was in my Greek class in seminary at Southwestern, one of my favorite professors was Dr. McGorman. And Dr. McGorman could make the Greek come alive. He could make the New Testament come alive. He not only had a Ph.D. from Southwestern, but he also had a Ph.D. from Duke. And in the middle of that class, in the middle of one of our Greek class, Dr. McGorman, just a great kind of person, he stopped in the middle of that and says, now all of us were just men in that class. He said, many of you are going to be pastors, but I want you to tell you my story. And he said, when I had this uh, Ph.D. from Southwestern, I had the chance to go to Duke to get another Ph.D., which would kind of further me academically. Um, Ph.D. from Duke is a very high kind of degree. And he said, I was gone all the time and never got time to be at home. I had to study hard and. And I was always in the library and I was working on my own studies and I neglected my family. And this is what he said to us. He said, my son is lost. Uh, He doesn't know Christ is his savior. During that time in his life, I was missing. And he looked at us with tears in his eyes. And he said this, if I had to do it over again, I'd work on my DAD rather than my PhD. And he said, I want to share that with you, and you put that in your heart. And there was a time that I was studying in seminary, and I'd, I'd come home from studying my Greek and Hebrew because I'd graduated in accounting, and all these other guys that were ahead of me had been religion majors, and they'd had all these subjects that I was still struggling in. And when I got home, uh, my son Mike was there and he had his backpack packed. It was a little old bitty backpack. I think he had peanut butter sandwiches in there. And I said, where are you going, Mike? And he said, I'm, I'm running away, Dad. And I knew he wasn't going to run far. Uh, I think he was about four years old, three or four years old. And he said this, um, you just don't have time for me. Do you know how those words sting? So I put my Hebrew Bible on the side, my Greek Bible on the other side, and I said, son, let's go. And we went to the athletic complex there, and we went swimming the rest of the day, and we had father-son time being spent together. How much that blessing is so important. I don't know about Norma Jane. I don't know about this girl who kind of got in the truck and went away with this guy. But I don't think they ever heard their father say, you're my little girl and I love you. Let's go eat breakfast together. Let's do some things together. Or you're my son and I love you and let's spend time together. Because that father blessing is so important in a child's life. But it is a window of opportunity that once that window is gone, it's hard to get it back again. 
And that window comes for us dads and us granddads and even great-granddads. There's an opportunity to build into that kid's life in that time and to be a blessing to our children where they need to be because there's so many in this world who do not have a blessing. Now, if you have your uh, uh, books, your songbooks, would you turn your hymnals? And I want us to sing, Make Me a Channel of Blessing. Here it is. I think it, Claire, I think it's on 375. 375. So look at that in, in 375. 